Welcome back, everyone, to 12-Pack Radio, the most in-depth podcast covering Pac-12 football news and the home of the Beta Rank Advanced College Football System and the home of the third annual original Pac-12 Eliminator Pool. This is Brian Conger. Thank you for joining us. This is a special podcast. We're kind of doing, uh, we're going to do a couple of these. We had a really, really good conversation with Hithliday, our friend over at the Quack 12 podcast. Our friend at the Quack 12 podcast and our friend at the uh, Addicted to Quack blog, who does some really good stuff, really sharp football mind. And basically, we walked through for like two hours going through the entire Pac-12 South. And we recorded this before the season started outside of Arizona's shellacking by Hawaii. Um, but we just thought it was really good. And what we wanted to do is like some sort of director's cut of that interview and kind of take a look back and see what we had said and react to it. And to do that with me is Mr. Rob Bowen. What's going on, Rob? Oh, not much. It's uh, it's a Wednesday and we're recording. <laughs> Crazy. <laughs> It's not going to be normal. <laughs> it's not going to be normal. Every Monday it's going to be up, but usually we're not going to do midweek stuff. But um, yeah. hey, one thing we should mention is uh, our numbers have like doubled in the last couple of weeks. So if you are a new listener, thank you so much for joining us. If you have been with us for two years, thank you for sticking with us. We have a favor to ask of you. I know everybody, like every podcast, regardless of whether they have like 6 million followers or 5 followers, asks you to do a review. For us right now, that would be really important, and here's why. Everyone and their mother has started a Pac-12 podcast, and not all of them are good. And uh, a lot of the reviews that we have on our podcast were from when we first started. It was like Rob and I, and we were kind of grouchy and stuff. But I really think that this podcast has hit its stride with the addition of Max Meyer, and we have a flow going. So if you like what you hear, if you can just go onto iTunes and leave a good review. That would be really, really important for us because there are so many podcasts right now. So when you search, you just get like spammed with 18 Pac-12 podcasts. And we want to make sure that we're, we kind of stand out because we do think the show is good. So if you can go ahead and do that, a uh, couple more housekeeping items, you could subscribe to the podcast, of course, on iTunes, Google Play, TuneIn Radio, Stitcher, SoundCloud, you name it, we are there. And uh, get your picks in for the Pac-12 Eliminator Pool on sharpcollegefootball.com. And then finally, if you listen to the last podcast, I so, so apologize for the my bookie bomb that you experienced where uh, something went haywire with our ad firm and they just bombarded everybody with my bookie ads. So um, we like them. They're great. Uh, but I'm sure that you heard the same ad like multiple times. So uh, you should go go and check them out, of course. Uh, and and three times is a charm, I guess, when it comes to ads. But just know that that will be hopefully fixed in the future. I'm very aware of it. Uh, I thought it was kind of funny, but you probably didn't. So, um, Rob, any any comments before we start? No, let's get into uh, this was a this was a good preview. Let's get into it. Yeah. So we talked with Hithliday about ASU and USC. Not too long, about 20 minutes. And then we'll do some commentary afterwards. Here's that interview. We're back talking Pac-12 football with Hithliday from Addicted to Quack. And if you have not tuned in to the Quack 12 podcast, uh, do so. The breakdowns that Hithliday and Adam uh, Chimeo have done on that podcast with a number of Pac-12 partners from across the the conference, including a lot of our friends here at 12-Pack Radio, really, really good. And I think the interviews, Hithliday, that you had uh, certainly impacted the interviews that we had. But we're still approaching this probably from different types, sides of the prism. So where do you want to start? The world's your oyster. There's a lot of fascinating teams this year in the conference. You know, I think the team that... Uh, I would appreciate y'all's perspective on the most is Arizona State. Um, oh yeah, you know uh, I don't. What do you, in particular, their defense? What do you think about uh, Arizona State's defense? I, I have a hard time getting a read on them. 
You want to start, Rob? I mean, so I, yeah, I, I like, I mean, I like Chase Lucas. They have some, like Arizona State for some reason, and this is, this has been true for, I feel like for years, and I, I hate it when people fall into this because sometimes things that have that been true for years are not true this year, but they're, um, they're not true years ago either. Yeah, yeah that's true too. <laughs> um, but I think that like they, they often are able to recruit, if you look at ASU's roster, they're often able to recruit far better skill position talent than they are in the trenches. Um, so they're a Pac-12 team? Yeah, well, yes. <laughs> uh, and I, I mean, they just got the, I mean, they got the guy, the um, the the Panda Express chicken thief um, from what? USC. You didn't, oh, oh yeah. Jack Johnson. So they, yeah. Jack Johnson. So they got a huh. five, former singer-songwriter. Star, started. I mean, played at USC and then, uh, he, uh, he got kicked off the team and then he was arrested for trying to break into a Panda Express, hmm. but Arizona, Arizona state got him. Like, I mean, a very, very late ad. No, oh, I must have um, missed that one. He's not on my sheet at all. Yeah. So he's, he's in fall camp. He's eligible to play. Um, hmm. they had him returning punts. Hmm. Um, I don't, I mean, I, I don't expect him at least in like the first half of the season to see the field a ton actually out there. Yeah. He hasn't played football um, in like two years. So it's been, it's yeah. been a hot minute. Huh. Um, I mean, their defense projects at 49. Uh, they have a, they have a really good amount of returning production. Um, they weren't great last year. They finished at 82 in beta rank. Um, they recruited reasonably well. Uh, there's, I mean, I, I like Danny Gonzalez. I think his, Oh yeah, uh, I do too. Um, you know, and I, and I really, I mean, I think Rocky long is sort of an underappreciated defensive mind and Danny mm-hmm. Gonzalez came up under him, but I'm not, I'm still, I'm not, I'm not sure of what they've got on the defensive line. Yeah. Uh, I, I just don't think they have anybody is, you know, they brought in a bunch of JCs and, and transfers and I, you know, I wasn't thrilled with them either. And I, I think they've got good linebackers, right. You know, Merlin Robinson, Darian Butler, yep, um, yep. And, you know, but like the reason why everybody appreciated Merlin Robinson Robertson was because, you know, the folks were getting past the defensive line. <laughs> it's like it's like Colin Schooler's freshman year, like Colin yeah. Schooler had a million tackles. I'm like, yeah, because uh, every, <laughs> everyone got to him. <laughs> the one thing with that for that line, though, I mean, just talking to it a little bit was you lose Ronell Wren, who was a physical beast. But I don't know if he was necessarily the biggest like, like he had some moments, but he wasn't consistently good. At least that was my take on him. Um, you bring in like George Lee, DJ Davidson. I don't I, I I tend to be a little bit more optimistic about ASU's defense this year. Again, it's the second year under a good defensive coordinator. I haven't been as, as impressed with their defensive line last year, just based on how they were able to stop the run that I don't know if you're going to see a dip um, based on the new production that they have coming in with these new players. Um, and I think that you kind of get an upgrade in the linebacker core and then in the secondary. So I tend to be a little bit more optimistic if you had, um, in a perfect world, if Dylan Sterling Cole was a B quarterback, right. Coming in, I actually would be pretty high on ASU, but I think the biggest question is Jaden Daniels. I think the defense actually, I think collectively is a little stronger than last year. And with Arizona looking like they're falling off a cliff, I mean, who else in the Pac-12 South outside of Utah is going to make a push? I mean, it's just such a funky, uh, it's such a funky conference and a funky division in there. 
Yeah, well, I, I, I was going to say though, real quick though, is like they graded out at ninety-seven on effective pass last season. Like they they gave up a lot underneath, even though teams didn't often throw deep on them. Um, yeah, that was the thing that was you know baffling because one of the difficulties with doing uh, film review, or really the biggest difficulty, is I can't see the deep coverage because I'm working with broadcast angles, and yeah, for yeah. whatever reason, there's this conspiracy of the camera operators that like let's never show the wide receivers battling with cornerbacks deep, and so you know I'm just guessing. Uh, and, and like I said, you know, it was very, it was extremely difficult to evaluate how good the, you know, the deep safety and, and the corner play was because I, you know, I never saw it. Folks just ran the ball a million times against them. And, and yeah, you know, I, I thought maybe you guys having, you know, some proximity to Arizona state would, you know, would have some trash to talk about them, but all you've done is praise them. So hmm. <laughs> there, but say every year you can come in every single year, you can come in just like this year and talk yourself into Brandon Ayuk and Kyle Williams and, you know, Darby and, you know, Benjamin and you could just, you could, you could easily talk yourself into all the skill positions, speed and athleticism that ASU has assembled. Um, but like last season, like, I mean, they really struggled. I mean, that defense really struggled, uh, on negative drives. Like they didn't force a lot of three and outs. Um, you know, they were a little better at drive efficiency. Gonzalez, you know, he's a smart DC. Like he, he was able to help get the defense off the field, but they gave up a lot of big plays too. I mean, they were just, they were, I, I, I think they're going to get better. Beta rank projects them to get better. I mean, like a big improvement. I mean, but a lot of that improvement is just like, you've recruited well enough that you shouldn't be this bad. That quarterback <laughs> is just such a big question mark. No, no, that's true. I, really I, love mean, this. Like, I, I don't you, love this team, but I, I am, more bullish on this team than I think most people are. And then the Jaden Daniels thing came out. I'm like, Oh, Dylan, Dylan Sterling Cole must've really sucked. Well, and here we you know that really sucked. He, he was third string. Yeah. The, the thing that's crazy about this team is that I love their defensive coordinator. Uh, and, and they, the, but they had a poor defense. I hate their offensive coordinator. They had a pretty, you know, Rob Likens <laughs> oh. from Kansas and, and, oh, and not dude, just you're reading my mind. <laughs> like, and yet their offense was pretty good. I would watch in every, I watched a lot of Arizona state last year and every time they needed a third down, um, it was the most predictable play. They call four verts, isolate and kill Harry, throw it up high so they can get it. But halfway through the season, the corner knows that's coming. It was just in, but then in order to try to utilize him more, they brought him in on pump punt, punt returns. He almost got killed in Colorado. Um, it was a weird, weird offense and there were some weird decisions. Yeah. I, I was not confident at all in the way that they were using their talent and they're bringing back some, some pretty great talent They're bring back three, I think pretty good wide receivers. You know, their quarterback is, uh, highly touted. Uh, you know, Benjamin is phenomenal. Um, you know, if they can keep everybody upright, you know, they should be halfway decent. I am a little worried about their offensive line. I read their, their center Cole Cabral is now playing tackle, which I'm not sure about that. Um, well, that's, you know, I haven't heard of a center moving uh, out to tackle in a long time i i I could be misreporting that i I don't know but i mean they're 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 losing both of their tackles you know tucker and bailey and then the other weird thing from our interview with hode rubino uh you know that i got was that they don't their offensive line coach doesn't believe in the distinction between guards and tackles they sort of like willy-nilly move people around you know they they don't get guys who are obviously built as guards and all are obviously built as tackles they get guys who are like well you're pretty fat um (laughs) why don't you play whatever position we have available uh 
and, and like that really feels like what, what they're going to be doing on, on uh, I remember when I was doing the film study for Arizona State in 2017 that like I was sort of astonished because Oregon played them relatively early I think like the fourth or fifth game and like I was astonished at their the beginning of their season where they had like a different offensive line configuration every game they went out and played and, and you know I, uh, obviously it's a different coaching staff but like that's the talent that they have is you know there's no specialists there it's a bunch of journeymen so we'll, well, I guess we'll just have to see how that goes I don't have a ton of confidence but on the other hand they had a ton of rushing yards so okay how do you feel about you you did the review of michigan state because oregon played michigan state in the bowl game i did i had to watch 13 michigan state's offensive games (laughs) i'm sorry to hear that under our fingernails (laughs) but you got to see that you got to see the mark d'antonio coverage scheme would you would you want to be a true freshman quarterback, even with as much as Michigan State's going to replace on that defense? Would you want to be a true freshman quarterback going up? Oh, against absolutely that? not. They are <laughs> going to. I mean, that's the thing is, you know, I've been doing this Auburn, Auburn uh, prep and, you know, everybody and their mother's been telling me, you know, Auburn has the best defensive line in the nation. I'm like, have you paid attention to Michigan State? Like, yeah. Not only does Michigan State have at, at least as good athletes on the defensive line, they have a complete defensive front, and they're bringing it all back. Um, it like those guys are maulers. Uh, it is a four-three front, and they're bringing back all fourteen dudes, I believe. Um, it uh, from the two deep, uh, like they're going to destroy them. Like, and it's in, uh, uh, East Lansing too. Like it's not going to be pretty. I, I would actually get again, knock on wood. Um, you know, Jane Daniels is real skinny. Uh, I'd be really worried about him getting injured. 175. Oh, yeah. Yikes. <laughs> That's like me. <laughs> and, he's, and he's five inches taller than I am. That's crazy. <laughs> uh, eat some, eat some, uh, eat some pork young man. Um, hey, let, let's talk about some other teams that could possibly make a jump, you know, with Arizona looking like it's going to fall out of the sky. You have, uh, you know, UCLA and USC. Hithliday, is there a certain team that you want to talk about here? Well, you know, USC is the one that probably should be discussed the most, although I think our conversation about it is probably going to be pretty boring because it's going to be, well, they've got a lot of talent, you know, if they can coach them up, then they should do great. (laughs) But of course, that's been true for like five years or 15 years. I mean, the Clay Helton curse. I mean, it's not just Clay Helton. Honestly, I, I, I wrote a piece. I published it to Reddit instead of um, Addicted to Quack in which I, I, I got 14 years with recruiting data and I computed their oh, I yeah. uh, rec- computed their, their five-year um, re- recruiting average versus their final finish in the Massey composite and, uh, you know, for, for that particular year. And USC was like on the bottom of FBS for, you know, for – and it you know, for 10 years, you know, from, from 2009 to 2018, it, you know, they're one of the worst teams in the nation at, you know, underperforming talent. And that includes one year Pete Carroll, that includes, you know, all the Kiffin and Sarkeesian and, and, and of course, Clay Helton years. In fact, Clay Helton's three, you know, he had, he's had three years at USC, the, by far the worst performance of course was in 2018. They were like 58 ranks worse than their rolling recruiting average and their final Massey component positive performance. But 2016, 2017 were the two two best performances over the last 10 years. It's really just this total fall off in, in that last season. Um, and, and like, you know, we could go down the positions of the USC, you know, it'd be interesting enough, but I mean, the answer to all of those questions is like, well, if they get out of their own way, <laughs> they'll be damn. I mean, they're, uh, they've got more talent than Utah. Is there any disagreement about that? No. I, I mean, yeah, I, I don't just they, mean like recruiting. Yeah, the recruiting the, the the recruiting rankings that I use, USC comes in at five. Like, no, but I mean, 
not just their recruiting ranking, but like, I mean, they're sort of, you know, what their active actual talent level is. I don't know. There's probably a good term for that, but like, yeah. you know, the, the way that they're like, even if Utah has got three stars who are playing like high four stars, USC still has five stars. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, uh, you know, if USC is not coached incompetently, they'll wipe the field with Utah. Um, it, it is the great, you know, mir- what's the opposite of a miracle? The great disaster of the Pac-12 is how miserably they underutilize their talent. And, you know, if there were any kind of competence in Los Angeles, there wouldn't be. A, it would be a Pac-1. Uh, yeah. Insane. It's insane. It's crazy that the other teams didn't step up. And Rob, you've talked about this too, where USC falls off the map and it's been Game of Thrones on who is filling that void, right? It should have been UCLA and it should have been Jim Mora building that program up. And he did, he was able to to swoop in on some of those recruits. He saw the commitments, uh, the higher, the higher level type of caliber players that were coming to UCLA and they weren't able to capitalize. And now you're seeing Oregon and Washington come in and take those players. It is, it's bonkers. Well, and you've got Chip Kelly who recruits one day a month. <laughs> yeah, no, it's crazy. I, I mean, like you know, good for Oregon and Washington. I, you know, obviously, I'm 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 an Oregon fan, and I like the Oregon Washington rivalry to be meaningful, which it basically, you know, except for 2018, that's been like 16 straight blowouts one way or the other. Um, you know, so, so you know, I'm down with it. But I mean, that, that's that the you know pacific northwest versus los angeles is a microcosm for the divisions you know really like the entire north versus i mean look at look at wazoo does with their talent compared to you know what uh, yeah you know let's pick arizona state let's pick on them easy target right like arizona state should be doing much better you know in their talent that's a team that's you know that goes seven and six every year since sean robinson left for ohio state you know in the 80s like you know i don't the infatuation with Herm, uh, you know, from the media because he didn't show up in clown makeup is astonishing to me. Like, <laughs> of course they went seven and five every Arizona State. Uh, Brian, you tried to get us off Arizona State and I dragged us right back. Uh, go ahead. With Graham Harrell at USC, I mean, so the, the if you were going to make a case that the offense is going to get better, I mean, the, the I think that the case is is that the offense last season lost a ton of production, so this season they're they're bringing back a lot more production. They definitely are. <laughs> now a lot of it wasn't good, <laughs> um, and I, I do think that the I do think and, and you've talked about this in the past that USC has sort of forgotten how to run block very well and even pass block very well, and a lot of this was covered up by Sam Darnold, um, yes, and how how good he was at getting the ball out, but. So let's take JT Daniels, who struggled last season in a more complex offense. You put him in, you put him in the air raid. You know the the Graham, whatever Graham Harrell's version of that is going to be. You know the the air raid is you've got a couple concepts within each concept. If you if you get those concepts down, you should be able to at least get two more options in those concepts, um, which is not something you like. I mean, last season his 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 ability to the check down was like where's where's St. Brown. Can I right. get him the ball? Yeah. Like, is he, is he remotely open? I'll throw a 50, 50 ball to him and he's a five star. So he'll probably come down with it 60% of the time. Oh man. Like the, the like JC Daniels last season, so many of his big completions were just like full on 500 balls that yeah. he threw up in the air too. He's like, Hey, I got a five star wide receiver out there. Yeah, it, was the, it was the Hail Mary offense. Yeah. Okay. And I mean, uh, like, sure. I, I, I get the point that you're making that if you can simplify the offense for him and allow him to get the ball out of 
as him maybe a little bit quicker because I, I am not super confident that their offensive line will improve by leaps and bounds. Um, that was, I mean, really their big, their big yeah. problem, you know, yet another example of USC squandering talent. Cause those guys are super, super talented. They were just completely out of position. I mean, jumped off. The, I think even an amateur, uh, film room, I guess I'm technically an amateur, but like even, even a lay person could, uh, could observe that like that guy is like, he didn't know what the snap, like the left tackle didn't know what the snap count was and would come out of his stance like a full half second late. And the, and the DE would already be around him. And, and, it's, and, 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 you know, USC is very proud that brought bring back their left tackle. And I was like, you'd be better off without him, dude. Um, the, you know, let, let's say all of that happens. You, you, if it's an air raid, you know what thing, what they're wasting then they're wasting perhaps the most talented running back room in the conference. Right. Uh, yeah. If they can combine it in the say, like the way that say, I mean, because I think that one of the more interesting things in, in in innovation in college football right now is like what Lincoln Riley's. I mean, I mean Lincoln Riley's, of course, like cooking with jet jet fuel at the moment. But you know, he's combined air raid concepts with like old power run. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and like if if Harold can combine, I mean, he's got the talent. Like you could put a tight end on the field, like Oklahoma does. Like you don't you don't need to necessarily like. A lot of the times, like Washington USC State, might have a hard time putting a tight end on the field. Well, it's yeah. like big, big problems. But yeah, I mean, like they're not like Washington State where, you know, you're not going to necessarily recruit a tight end because it's just hard to find a tight end that's going to come to Pullman. That's, you know, yeah, you're, right. That you're going to use. So USC, you can you can be like Oklahoma. You can run 11 personnel a lot of the time and you can run some power looks out of there. I, I, I hope that I, I sincerely hope that that is what this offense looks like, because Harrell isn't I mean, like Cliff Kingsbury was like home run like Kingsbury that, you know, he 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 did. Lovett, Lovett's hard to recruit to, and I'm not saying that he deserved to keep his job or anything like that, but he put together some pretty decent, decent offenses for like the talent level that he had out in Lubbock and that Texas A&M offense he had with Johnny Manziel was just phenomenal. But Graham Harrell isn't anything near. He doesn't have anything like that kind of track record. Um, so it's a bigger question mark. He's not me, even like, as handsome, Rob. No, I know. I mean, like he's handsome, but he's not Cliff Kingsbury. <laughs> yeah, I, you know, I, I I watched some of um, UNT's you know film to get ready for that um, interview with Alicia, and uh, and and yeah, like none of it struck me as like. First of all, I thought schematically it was fairly different from Mike Leach's uh, air yeah. raid. I, I think that people would probably go wrong if they're just expecting there to be a second air raid in the Pac-12 or third, if you count. Stanford. Um, (laughs) uh, Honestly, even with the most interesting thing was, was watching their, their very last game of the season against Notre Dame um, where they actually played a pretty good game. Um, uh, And I I think that was actually what was going on was just sort of felt like, you know, Daniels had finally, you know, sort of settled down and was like actually reading the defense and, and making proper throws. And, and while I don't think that I think that the structure of the offense will look, you know, fairly different. Um, but I think that, you know, the basic concepts of, of, you know, put, put three wide receivers out, you know, let them run, find the guy who's open and throw it to him. Like that basic philosophical concept, they had started to get down towards the end of the year. And, and I didn't really think it was a matter of, you know, this scheme is garbage. Although I thought their play calling was garbage. Um, you know, I think that's the biggest I think that's the biggest thing that Graham Harrell will will bring to the table is not necessarily, you know, oh, the scheme will finally liberate these assets. It's that he's not T. Martin. 
you know, yeah. he'll probably have the offense a little better organized. Um, you know, if, if he was able to do that at G five school, you would think that he'd be able to do it with the, you know, significant increase of talent that he'd have at USC. I, I think that'll be the bigger difference. Well, I feel like you have to, like, we have to talk like, I mean, just real quick. I mean, Clancy Pendergast hasn't yeah. been great. I mean, he had some yeah. injuries last season, but he hasn't been, I mean, for what he's getting paid, he hasn't been great. And well, I mean, returns, they're 117 in returning production this season. Like, yeah, I love it. I mean, their past two recruiting classes, or, I mean, before this last one on defense, are just disgusting. I mean, just especially at linebacker, it is. Well, yeah, it but is they, a smorgasbord of talent. <laughs> but I mean, they lost Cam Smith and Burgess oh, yeah. and Ruben Peters, and you know, uh, from last. You know, they they basically lost most of their linebackers. I think they'll have a good defensive line, and actually, the fact that they have a good defensive line means I, I think they're one of the four teams that are in contention for the Pac-12. Um, because I, I don't think you can win this conference if you don't have a, a pretty good defensive line. Um, but. They got, you know, we'll we'll have to see how they do with the linebacker position. You know, they're reconfiguring that because, you know, they they apparently felt like they got too fancy uh, in the recent years and the sort of like going back to a traditional, you know, four three or or whatever. They usually play out of a nickel. But then the secondary is it's a bunch of super talented five stars, but they're all freshmen, you know, yeah. and, and, you know, that that was, you know, given how aggressive Pendergast's, you know, defenses are. And I think that's the reason why at every stop he's ever made you know, they decline every year, you know, he starts out really great. And then like every year they get worse. And I think the reason is the opposing offenses figure out how to use their, his aggression against him. And I mean, that's what you saw was huge explosive runs over and over and over again against USC last year, you know, like UNLV broke off an 80 yard run against them um, is, you know, you get the offense all or the defense uh, all going one way. You make one cut on a counter or whatever. And uh, zoop, you know, you, you rush and the only guys in position to make that play is a safety and they're going to be playing five freshman safeties or defensive backs. You know, like I, I feel like, yeah, they're, they're going to give a lot of explosive play. What did you, what did the numbers say about uh, USC's defense on explosive plays? So last season, USC's defense created out at number 52. They were 40 at drive efficiency. They were 43 on explosive drives. Uh, but where they really stunk was negative drives. They did not cause a lot of three and outs or turnovers, hmm. but there, there was a big split on um, where they were giving up their, their big plays. And that was, they were graded out 61 on effective rush versus 40 on effective pass. Ah. Um, yeah. So if you, if you saw them giving up a bunch of big runs, like it, they made up for it a bit by not giving up a bunch of big passes, but it, they, but they, they definitely really, were not causing havoc plays. That was pretty no, watching yeah. the defense, and and it was something that Alicia underlined a couple of times was like there they'd be they'd play like an aggressive team that was going for havoc plays, but then they wouldn't actually generate them, and they'd leave them out of position. And hey, you know, hey presto, you know how that story ends. All right, Rob, here we are. Right after my bookie ad, probably. I don't know. I don't know. We'll find out. <laughs> At least one. <laughs> At least one. Equal to or greater than one. Um, so I went back and listened to what we talked about, and I know that you did. What are what are some things that stand out? Let's start with ASU since we started the interview with ASU. Um, I think there's a lot to pick from here, but where do you want to start? I mean, I, th- I, mean, I think it's. I mean, we have the benefit of hindsight now, um, of course, like having at least seen some of the, the Sun Devils and a, a small sample size ish. But um, I think I want to start with ASU. Like, I think the defense is, 
you know, is mostly looked a little bit improved from what we've seen. Now, now that said, what we've seen is against uh, an FCS team in Kent State. So uh, we, it, we will definitely. And a Kent def- State that had six fumbles, by the way, too. So which yeah. credit to ASU, you know, for causing some of said fumbles, but still. <laughs> um, there's a I mean, there's just there's, there's still something to see there, I think, on defense. Um but I mean, the big one is the the offensive line, which is what they called out. I mean, their offensive line is uh, is incredibly bad. Oh, I totally agree. And part of it is because their center is hurt now, right? So you had a questionable yeah. offensive line, then you have an injury at center, and now you got to move the line over again. And I mean, we we've talked about the Michigan State game. It's interesting that we brought it up in our podcast with Hippolyte. Like that's how long we've been talking about this Michigan State team. So I'm curious to see. You know, the line's 14 now, and I know Max had talked about jumping on the line if uh, you know on ASU's behalf if it gets to 14. That that actually might make sense now that it's there. But still, Jaden Daniels will likely be running for his life, and it's going to be really hard. Like I, I'm assuming that that game plan is, dear God, hand the ball to you know Benjamin or throw the ball as quick as humanly possible uh, so he doesn't get crushed. Yeah, I mean, they, they could there, there are ways, of course, to, you know, if you're going to try to slow down a rush, you know, go to the screen game that can help. Um, draws can also help because um, it, it'll it'll get the defense, you know, thinking of it before they go into full run pass rush or full on pass rush mode. But they yeah, they could be in trouble in this game uh, moving the football. But the flip side is, is if the defense is, is in any way decent. Um, I do think Michigan State's offense still has to prove it um, this season. Um, so they're uh, this will be this will be a good test to see where Michigan State's offense really is because they haven't really played anyone yet either. I did want to highlight ASC's defensive line. I was more bullish about them uh, in the past and on the last interview with Hithliday. I just think DJ Davidson is is good. I think he it causes a lot of havoc. He already has about three tackles for a loss. He seems to be in the backfield or, or in plays where he wants to be. Like I really like that. I I will be curious to see Rob your line um, and your numbers on their defensive line at the end of the year. I don't think there's going to be a drop off, even though they lost Rendell Wren. Um, just because I, I just think that this is a better. Um, maybe not even trained but just like a more fundamental defensive line and i think that's going to make a difference at the end um obviously merlin robinson running around the other one the guy that we didn't really bring up was uh, i think it's kylan kierce thomas who is a linebacker on their front nine tackles three and a half tackles for a loss and, and he seems to be kind of all over the place as well yeah i mean i'm interested to see i think you're right that where this this defensive line shakes out currently they i mean again with the not playing a particularly tough schedule they rank third in the pac-12 at creating i mean the defense as a whole uh in creating disruptive plays um which is good i mean they're right behind utah and oregon um up to this point uh i like i would like to see them you know once we hit conference play and a little more stout uh a little, little more stout play that, that, you know, how they sort of shake out. Um, and I think that, I mean, the defensive line, they, I like Chase Lucas. I like some of the other guys that they have at, at corner. Um, you know, they, they should have the ability, I, I think, and particularly with the USC transfer to at least give the defensive line a chance to get to the quarterback. Um, but I mean, we'll, we'll see. I mean, this defense struggled last season, um, both against the run and the pass. Uh, and, you know, a lot of that was on the line, um, you know, and, and Merlin Robinson had a bit of a big year because he was plugging a lot of holes. 
Um, so we'll like, I, I mean, I feel like ASU, like we talked about this on the pod, like it's always like, Oh, they have such great athletes at the skill position. I think that's even true on defense, but they, uh, the, the lines I think are really going to tell. Um, and, and Daniels himself, I think is, I don't think is really put on a show. Like I, I watched a good chunk of that game against Sacramento state and Daniels wasn't great, uh, in that game. And uh, I think he's definitely got some growing to do, to do still. Yeah, and if you're an ASU fan, don't take this all hard. I mean, I think they're going to win seven games at least. Like, I think ASU will be have a pretty good year this year and has have some pieces. And, uh, you know, one of the things that was funny is we were talking about, or Hithliday was talking about how he didn't like the offensive coordinator, but like the offense. He liked the defensive <laughs> coordinator, didn't like the defense. And yeah. that, that actually might start catching up here, I think. Um, one of the things that stood out for me was Eno Benjamin is averaging, I think it was about 3.7 yards a carry. I kind of assumed he would have a drop off just because teams know about him now and they can game plan around him. That certainly was the case at the end of the, you know, his freshman, or I think it was redshirt freshman year. Um, but, but the the end of last year, I think teams were well aware that he was very good. Um, but it seems like, Rob, they've had some time to be able to figure out how to keep him contained. And by the way, these are two not great defenses in Kent State and uh, Sacramento State that were able to keep him in check. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it wasn't just I mean, it wasn't just that they were getting pressure on Jaden Daniels. I mean, Kent State was or not, I mean, Sacramento State was able to get into the backfield quite often with their defensive line. Um, I don't. I mean, I don't think it's you know Benjamin so much as it's the the line is just collapsing around him. Um, they're starting two true freshmen, I believe. Is it three now with the injury? I mean, it's uh, <laughs> yeah. It's getting pretty. It's getting pretty thin for them. And I think that I mean we had talked about on the uh, on the pod with Hippoday that they had brought in the the JUCO transfers, you know, hoping to play immediately too. Um, and that they even in this class that they have a bunch of linemen committed uh, to come in um, already like they're 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 they they may be, you know, a full year or two away from uh, developing the kind of depth necessary. But if they can somehow find a way to get out of uh, East Lansing with the win, then you, they could even be looking at maybe even an eight win season because the Pac-12 certainly doesn't look overwhelmingly difficult this this year. You know, I mean, especially the South, you get <laughs> you get a you, you you definitely you still have UCLA on your schedule. Um, but I think one thing that we didn't talk about and I don't think anyone saw coming is uh, ASU really almost has a, a, a secret weapon. At oh, Hunter. yeah, <laughs> that's absolutely right. So what so did you get a chance to see uh, the beautiful, beautiful kid? This is almost like Mitch Wisnowski territory. If you're a Utah fan, I, I don't mean to besmirch his, his honorable name, but <laughs> but this guy is pretty good at ASU. Yeah, I mean he's a he's 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 a game changer um, in a way because field position matters so much, and if you can add on an additional, you know, anywhere from you know seven to ten, uh, you know, sometimes even twelve yards to a normal punt, um, and your coverage unit can you know you can get down and cover that, uh, that's huge. I mean that's gonna that's that's an extra that's an extra set of downs that your defense can force the offense to have to come up with. So um, yeah, that's a real big thing, and it's is it. Who's there? What's there? Is their kicker name Zendayas? Yeah, um, their punter, I think, is Zendayas, right? I thought their punter was Turk. Um, anyway, their their kicker's been good too. Um, so, and that's a that's a huge. I mean, as as um, as uh, Utah fans can tell you, you can get by with some pretty good special teams. Uh, and ASU, in this case, if, if the defense does, you know, make a bit of a leap forward, um, I think they could cover up some of the holes. And they don't. As I recollect, they don't have 
anything horrendous looking on the schedule right up front. I could be wrong about that. Of course, everything's taking a while to load because I just got a I just got a Windows update, so I apologize. I got you. I mean, they have Colorado at home. They're at Cal, Washington State, Utah. So, eh, <laughs> like that that is kind of that's rough. That's that's a little rough. Um, but we'll see. Like the we'll, Cal game's rough. I mean, like I, I think I think ASU's defense is good enough to slow down Cal. Um, Cal's offense. The I mean, Cal's I defensive watched, line versus that offensive line. I mean. Evan Weaver's going to have what, like ten tackles for a loss. <laughs> it's going to be rough. I mean, one of the things is like I, it seems like we're going too rough on ASU because again, ASU will probably have seven wins or eight wins this game or this year. Um, but but it, it kind of just it like this season is what it is. I think it's one of those seasons where Herm is getting stuff together, and we'll see if he can break through or not. But um, yeah, yeah, definitely an interesting team. Um, let, let's just move to let's move to USC because I mean obviously the second coming of you know Drew Brees is uh, uh, kind of threw everything out the window but I do think there were some items that we were touching on with Hithaliday that stood out for me um, not knowing that uh, that Slovis is was going to have an excellent game one of the things that stood out for me in terms of his numbers I guess to start on the quarterback was I mean he's throwing eighty two percent completion rate like that's not that's not sustainable. And the more I think about this BYU game, the more I'm nervous about the four and a half points, Rob, because if he gets uh, shifty and, and kind of edgy in that home crowd and that will be a loud home crowd, it, it will like I don't think USC's run game is going to be good enough to break out of that game and keep it. Uh, keep it out of that four and a half point range. So, I mean, I think if Slovis does really well, they'll, they'll be fine. But if he if he starts having like any true freshman would <laughs> some issues on the road, that game could get pretty close pretty fast. Yeah, and uh, the model actually has this as a really close game right now. Um, you know, I think USC is less than a point favorite in beta rank. Um, this is this is this is going to be a bit of a tough game for them. Like the but. I I think they're going to I think they could be OK. I mean, the offensive line has looked a little better. I don't know that Stanford's defense is great. I mean, Fresno State, you know, Minnesota's got a pretty good offense under P.J. Fleck. I'm not saying Minnesota's got some great offense under P.J. Fleck, but they've got a pretty good offense. Uh, and they were able to hold, um, you know, and have a pretty tight game against Minnesota uh, that the Golden Gophers eventually pulled out at the end in overtime. Um, I think that. I think USC's offense. I think they could be able to run the ball, but I mean, if you're if you're BYU, do you really think that they have the kind of talent to be able to match up against USC's wide receivers? Uh, no, but that's but again, like the big question mark is is Slovis going to be able to hit him um, on the road for the first time in a in a really hostile environment? Maybe, maybe not. I mean, with, to that point, I think Amon Ross St. Brown, you know, last year, obviously he was good, but man, he looks like, d- does it look like he grew 20 pounds of muscle? Like he looks like <laughs> yes. ready for the NFL right now. He looks, yeah, he is re- He is ready for his first round or si- I mean, I don't know if a, a wide receiver of his height is going to get drafted in the first round, but he is definitely, uh, you know, at the very least a second round pick with that kind of, those kind of wheels and, and, and uh, his ability to run routes um yeah and he looks he looks especially for a slot guy that is going to be expected to go over the middle a bit like adding that muscle is terrific for him um 
And I, yeah, the the USC wide receivers I think looked good. The offensive line looked okay. I mean, I I think though too, like in in that game against Stanford. I mean, Stanford has a Debo, and he's basically taking away one of your wide receivers, and he was still able to to really put together a, a pretty good game. So, I think I, I think BYU has a good defense. I mean, it's you know I, I don't think that, and I, I I think people are making a little bit much maybe out of that Tennessee win, but. Um, I, I I think you're like I I I think USC probably wins by less than four points. I think it could be a tight game, and especially if Slovis, I mean, true freshman, they're gonna he's gonna make a mistake. He's gonna turn the ball over in all likelihood. You know, like he can't. The Cinderella story can't. I mean, if it does, like, congrats. But um, I I I think it's he he also it's it's nice to be in the air raid. I mean, it does simplify your reads. You know, like they. The air raid is basically like a handful of concepts, and a Harrell runs a more complex version than Mike Leach does. But um, you know, he should be able to get in there and step in. But as we know, with the air raid, though, too, like Mike Re- Leach prizes accuracy above all things because if you throw that often, you got to complete them. <laughs> you know, like if you have a sub sixty, you know, five percent completion rate, like you start going off the field. Um, so they could be in trouble a little bit that game. The defense is the defense is going to be interesting to me though. I don't think BYU has a particularly great offense, but as we saw against Utah, um, I think if BYU if if USC gets a little lax in its coverage um, and isn't getting to the quarterback very quickly, like BYU can deploy a pretty pretty effective quick passing game that uh, they used against Utah in the first half, and then in the second half the Utes made adjustments. Um, you know, and put up the press coverage, the defensive linemen started getting their hands up and they took away some of those short passes. But, uh, you know, like BYU, BYU's, it's, they're, they're not where they were when Ty Detmer was calling plays. <laughs> well, a couple of players on defense to keep a look out for. Actually, let me shift to, let me do a couple things on offense just to give some players some some high fives. Uh, Vavi Malapai is uh, averaging about five yards of carry. Stephen Carr about seven point two yards of carry. Plus he's getting he's getting passes. And you had mentioned the ability in the air raid to get the the ball around, and you can just see that in the production, right? Tyler Vaughn sixteen catches, St. Brown yeah. thirteen catches, Michael Pittman twelve catches. Um, plus you have Carr. I mean, like they 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 certainly are going to get their yards. It's just whether or not, like you mentioned, Slovis is going to be uh, accurate, and whether or not he's going to be rattled in BYU. But he he definitely has the skill everywhere everywhere <laughs> on the offensive side uh to be able to get that ball moving on the defense one of the things Rob that stood out for me is Drake Jackson was somebody that Alicia Dayartola had mentioned we didn't mention him when we were talking with Hithliday but um Hithliday was pretty excited about the defensive line and he had mentioned that, that being one of the reasons why USC was a a definite challenger for the Pac-12 South and Drake uh Drake Jackson like that that guy is that guy's legit um Six yeah, tackles, agree, yeah. three tackles for a loss, two pass breakups. He's a true freshman starting and a lot of buzz coming out saying like, holy goodness, this guy's the real deal. And you kind of go, OK, like we'll find out. And then no, 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 he is. He is who people said he was. And if he I mean, he struggled in the, a bit in that Fresno State. I mean, he was he was getting getting through. He just wasn't complete. He just wasn't finishing the plays. Um, and he had a good game against Stanford, and like I, I expect he's likely going to have a pretty good game against uh, this BYU team. I think, you know, in the in the same way that BYU had a strategy to try to you know keep the keep it from having their quarterback hold the ball too long, I think they're going to have to try to do something like the same way here against this USC defensive line. And 
um, Clancy Pendergast likes to bring pressure. Um, so we'll see. I mean, they didn't get really burned on it. They haven't really burned on it too badly so far this season, but you always do feel like USC gives an up an unexpected big player too, just because Pendergast gets caught out on a blitz. Yeah. I, I would say Stanford that first half was pretty rough looking at that defense and I was yeah. ready to throw in the towel on, on that. like, Oh, here we go again. Uh, but they were able to tighten it up. So um, we'll see if they can keep the second half of that Stanford game going when they go into BYU. It's kind of interesting. Yeah. They really won't see and like Utah fans. I understand saying Tyler Huntley is, is a pretty good quarterback. I'm not discounting him. Um, and BYU has an okay quarterback, but USC is not going to see a good quarterback till Jacob Eason. Like, and, and we're, we got to figure out whether that's the case there. I mean, I still think, I mean, Eason looked great against Eastern Washington. Let's see how he does. Can he use a pro? <laughs> I know, I know, I know. But like, and, 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 and also Cal's defense, like that secondary is, is amazing. Oh no. I mean, I don't think it's fair. Like if you're like, I, we have not seen, we have seen Jacob Eason in two, the two extremes, right? Probably yeah. the best, <laughs> yeah. probably the very worst defense he will face all season. And per, I mean, like, I mean, maybe Arizona or Oregon state, but probably the very worst defense he's going to face and probably the very best defense he's going to face all season. Um, you know, what, what is our, what is our expectation for Jacob Eason and this Washington offense when they are playing, you know, you know, your normal Pac-12 defense, probably sitting somewhere in the 30s or 40s. But here, um, here's here's what I think is interesting, though, like to go back to USC. So they're after they play Utah there, which is oh, a game, brutal. which is a game they will lose for that secondary. They play Jacob Eason, Ian Book, Khalil Tate, um, the Red Baron and Justin Herbert back to back to back to back games. Um, so we will know if that secondary is putting it together. They're real young there, and, and I'm not certain if they've been tested yet. Uh, they will get yeah. tested very quickly. Well, and if it, I mean, you forgot, I mean, if Jaden Daniels is still alive by, <laughs> by November 9th, that's their next game after Oregon is they get they get they get Ayuk and Darby and Kyle Williams, which is no fun to cover. Um, yeah, I, I mean, I, I think you're right. I mean, I think this, you know, this last year, the USC replaced almost everyone on the offense this year, they're replacing almost everyone on the defense. Um, and lots of, lots of questions back there in the secondary, lots of guys that were really, really highly, you know, rated recruits, of course. But, um, yeah, I think, I, I, I think USC's likely good enough to, 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 you know, shut down. I mean, I don't know, shut down, but slow down Utah. Utah's, I mean, uh, offense, at least slow them down. Um, whether USC's offense is going to get anything going and is going to be able to protect Slovis is, is another question. They really haven't faced a, they will not have faced anything like a defensive line like they will get against Utah. Because Stanford really didn't have anything like the pass rush required. BYU, I don't think will either. All right. I think that's it. Right. We want to keep these pretty, pretty quick. Um, I think the next one. So we have UCLA. We have Arizona, whatever. Um, We we just talked (laughs) so much about. Do we want to put those together or like and have like the like 
was depressing. <laughs> Release it on like Sunday morning at 7 a.m. or something, or like <laughs> Friday night at midnight. Uh, so nobody listens to it. Uh, no, it's a, again, like if you are a listener, please go, please give us a couple of reviews. We'd, we'd certainly appreciate it. Um, it'd be a big help to the podcast. Again, we think we're kind of hitting our stride and we'd very much like more people to participate. The last thing is if you want us to cover anything, we're getting some pretty good feedback on our Twitter handle, which is at 12 pack radio. Um, we also do have a Gmail account that I check because um, I run some stuff. Uh, I run one of our contests out of there and that's one, uh, two PAC radio at gmail.com. So if you want to send us emails uh, and want us to comment anything, that's 12 pack radio at gmail.com. And Rob, anything else we should say before we sign off? No, no. Oh, and your numbers, your numbers, like we, those, they're going to keep getting better. They're going to keep updated on sharpcollegefootball.com. So definitely check that out. Um, Rob is really churning out pretty good content. And, um, and we've like even changed the way that you can search on the bars. So it's a little bit easier to be able to sort through all that data and just the tools that we have on that website is really, really powerful. So, uh, take full advantage. Okay. Bye. <laughs> <laughs> uh.